Hello and welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one or two chapters at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet for me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Brandon. Hi, Hi, Brandon. Hi, Hi Brandon. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Too many. I, I guess that jumps immediately to the first question to ask, it, which is, what are you drinking? Um, uh, yeah. No, good segue. Um, I'm drinking a Tom Collins tonight. Very nice. I'm having a uh, Argentinian Trempanillo. Temp- that sounds temp- fancy enough temp- that, I, temp- that I don't know what temp- that is. Red wine. Okay. Thank you for making it accessible for me. Translating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, everybody. We are going to be, just like last week, where we hit two chapters in one episode, we're going to try doing that again this week, doing Matthew chapters 10 and 11. Now, if you haven't read Brandon's translation, please hit pause, click that link in the show notes, or tap that link, and uh, give it a read. There are a lot of juicy footnotes as well, so go ahead, uh, we'll be here. Welcome back. I want to start with just a bit more of a meta question about this or an observation. Mm-hmm. There's no headings. Yeah. Yep. I didn't have to put any headings in. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Bible that uh, second to this, my second favorite. Of course. Bible, of course. Yeah. Um, it, it's not a translation. It's a um, I guess it's a rendering. It's a, a typesetting of the NIV that is chapter and verseless, and then they have no mm. headings. Yeah. They, they really dial back the way in which all those little numbers and those headers change how I read the sacred text. It feels much more like literature. Mm-hmm. Now, while you've chosen, because this is a bit more of a, with all the footnotes, it's a bit more of a scholastic minded, like, yeah, you'd probably appreciate the, the verses. I love that you don't have the, um the headers yeah this section in particular it really flows it feels like these are instead of you know every four verses there's another indentation and bolding of a phrase and then another and like it it doesn't feel like these are all separate it feels like there's a flow right yeah yeah like and i don't know maybe people know maybe people don't but those headings have nothing to do with like the original like they're not there at all it's just whoever whatever publisher put out that translation they put those headings in out of whatever they felt like yeah yeah and they can be very convenient for glancing through a page and finding quickly where you want to go yeah i think it can be useful like if it's specifically if it's like narrative like a story like oh this is the story about when jesus walked on water like okay great helpful thank you Mm -hmm. um but when it's breaking up a single story. I don't know if you, is that that's what you call this chapter. I don't know if it's story is the right, quite the right word, but um, a single event, I guess. Yeah. It ends up, you did you read it like they're not connected, like they're not one thing, but they are, it is as one sustained thought for the whole chapter um, that should not be broken up. I know in, in the NET, which is ends up being the one that I kind of reference the most as I'm, as I'm doing this, because I'm using their, tool to compare the greek 
um, for the most. Also, it's a it's a decent translation, um, relatively speaking. And yeah, they they have like five or six different headings that make it sound like five or six completely unrelated topics through the chapter, but it's not. It's one line of thought. Yeah. So can you just summarize what is this chapters 10 and 11? I mean, the chapters are also not original, but right. Yeah. They weren't there for centuries after Jesus. Um, But what we're calling chapter 10, then it's really about like, so up to this point, it's been all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And now we're being introduced to the fact that he's got this kind of core group of, of students who are the, the inner, the advanced class, I guess, because there's lots of people learning from Jesus, but these are the ones that are like in there. Um, uh, they're his protégés. He's their mentor and they're his protégés. Yeah. Um, and he's giving them their assignment. This is their first like independent assignment. Go and do all the things that I've been teaching you about and showing you and dem- and modeling for you. Go do that. Um. And then he prepares them for what that's going to be like. Not everyone's going to accept you. Not every home is going to be appropriate for you to stop in. When you're saying these things, it's not going to be popular to the people who like the status quo, who like how things are right now. They're going to get upset at you. They've already been insulting me. If they've been insulting me, they're not going to have, I'm, and I'm the one with like credentials here. Like <laughs> yeah. they're not going to show any respect to you. They're going to treat you like dirt. Like be ready for that. It's and it's going to be okay. It's going to be unpleasant, but it's going to be okay. So I'm encouraging you go out there, know what to expect. It's going to be all right. And then they do. And it's like the, the beginning of chapter 11, it's, it basically says, and then he went out and did the same thing in the same towns that he was sending them into. He didn't like send them off and sit home sipping a latte. Like he gave them their assignments and he got one of the assignments. He was along there with them, uh, but it's all one thought about all of that. And if you try to break it up, it, it like, it changes the meaning of if you just take one paragraph out of this whole section, it changes what it is saying if you mm-hmm. are, aren't looking at it to be informed by what's before and after. Mm-hmm. Like if these are just individual random sayings or like moments yeah. in the, in the story, instead of a, like there is a coherent flow. Yeah. And, and it, and it needs the whole context to make sense of any one sentence or even any one paragraph. Next thing I want to jump to is all the way to verse 11. Mm-hmm. Uh this doesn't have a uh, footnote, but in whichever town or village where you arrive, ask about who would be appropriate and stay with them until you leave. Now, usually that's what worthy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The word worthy there. And it's the same in the next in verses, uh, verse 13. Also, mm-hmm. if that house is appropriate. Versus, yeah. Yeah. So much of Jesus work. And that's also continued in the rest of the, the, the other books in that I'm translating and stuff is about not making judgments about people's worth. Yeah. Um, like they're, it, they're beloved. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. The, it really feels inappropriate to translate this as worth here. Um, Thor has got to be uncomfortable at this point. Yeah. And it, it, the word essentially 
is appropriate. I can I kind of want to look at it now that I'm talking about it. Um, here, let's see what does it actually say in the Greek. Axios, and it's a, talking about. Oh, essentially, it's about like a scale. It's the mm. weight having the weight of another thing to determine like the value. Which so I can see how they get to worthy, but it's not. It's it's the because you put the thing on the one side and the weights on the like the money on the one side and the weights on the other side to show how much you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like, does it balance out? Is it appropriate? Does it go together Is it correctly? Sensi- like sensibly esteemed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not trying to say, does this have value or not? It's, it's, it really misses the point there. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you do that. Um, so in order to be, appropriate to the context of the entire gospel the entire good news of jesus um, i felt like worthy needed to not be what was used there that's haunting to just see that pattern play out over and over again like good bad language in out uh Mm -hmm. worthiness language it's so easy to let these uh, judgment words yeah slip in these sub gospel or even anti gospel terms. Anti is probably probably more important there. Yeah. Are you translating me on the spot, sir? I am. That's Thank what you. I, I can't good. help it. I'm it's the good. translator yeah, apparently. Yeah, capital T. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, probably the the most uh, flack generating translation that you made in this chapter is going to be in verse twenty. With footnote J. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talking about all the misogynists out there. I am, or those who have not given an open-hearted and open-head, open-minded approach to the monogendering of God. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I'm talking. I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, and this is one. It's not just a, a matter of misogyny. It's just no. Like, it's not. That's not. That's not really fair. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that yeah. was not a worthy comment. <laughs> Um, it was not appropriate. Sorry. Thank Um, thank you. Yeah. Mother. You choose the word mother where father is used. Now, in other places you have Mm -hmm. said the guardian or the provider, Provider. like you've used these other, you've tried to surface different layers of what fatherhood or a father role seems to have meant or included Mm-hmm. in first century Palestine and just yeah. replace that. So you're, you're, you're using kind of adjacent or nested ideas instead of just this right. gendered thing. But mother is like a, whoop, we're going to switch over here. Yeah. Um, and it's all part of me trying to figure it out too. So, that, you know, none of this is final draft. If, mm-hmm. if there will ever be a final draft, I'm not sure. But I'm trying to figure it out because it's there are themes that go with father specifically that are pretty consistent throughout the whole Bible. And so it's really something I'm wrestling with. And I know more than one woman that I deeply respect who have a lot of knowledge and insight into both scripture and language and people and how things impact people and how things have impacted them personally and the constant masculine language yeah about god 
impacts them in a way that separates them, creates some distance from God. And that is troubling to me. So I'm trying to figure out ways to honor the intended meaning. And like we've said from the beginning, make it accessible to people. Yes. So this feels like a risk to put mother here uh, because it's just because of how weirdly loaded gender is um, in particularly in, in Christianity and, and, how. <laughs> and that just sucks. Yeah. The fact that, that it's that loaded, the fact that this feels dangerous mm-hmm. is that, that speaks volumes to it, to me. Um, but I think it's worth the risk because I want, you know, I'm not especially worried about hurting the feelings of those who have always been prioritized. Yeah. And I much would much rather prioritize making scripture accessible to those who have felt undervalued. Preach. Next one I want to hit on is jumping up to verse 28 with a footnote P. Don't be afraid of people who destroy the body, but can't destroy the being. I like the alliteration. Hmm. Usually that's like what soul who cannot destroy your soul. Yep. That, that really the conventional translation, especially with the idea of soul being this kind of, um, immaterial or more than material part to the human that then is everlasting and sucked up to heaven or down to somewhere else, whatever it is, like it plays up that dualism. Like, Oh yeah, they can, they can kill your, this earthly coil, but don't Mm -hmm. worry. Don't worry that the, the real you has an infinity like expiration date and, you're good, which is like cool if you're like a Greek in that century, but it seems a bit subhebraic. I'm curious. Yeah, it really plays into Gnostic philosophy and Plato uh, and his philosophies and stuff that come later after the Bible, but mm-hmm. it really, really strongly influenced how the church started in- interpreting things mm-hmm. um, where anything physical was bad and anything non-physical was good um, to the point of even being like completely unrelated from Christianity that the creator of the physical universe was seen as the villain in their mythology. Um, and, but some, which is really counter to the Bible, but uh, somehow it st- still strongly influenced how Christians were interpreting things. Mm-hmm. Um and it gets really dicey when you start interpreting, like, it, are we going to interpret the word psuche here, which is the Greek word, as some immaterial thing that, like, inhabits the physical body, but the physical body dies and the immaterial thing somehow gets, like, magically, like, I don't know, like, somehow poofed from one in this body into another, like, material realm and then maybe depending on who you ask into another physical body but the same greek word is used to translate the hebrew bible 
in, back in Genesis to mean just like bugs and squirrels. And it's translates the Hebrew word nefesh. Oh, living really? beings. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. So just to go back to the creation narrative and it talks mm-hmm. about all the living creatures on the face of the earth, earthly flesh. Yeah. In, in the Greek translation of that, it's this word. So does it mean something immaterial that is unique to humans? Cause that doesn't sound like it. Mm-mm. It's really like living things is what this means. You can't destroy the living thing. The, the, the fact that I'm a living being. So removing the word soul frees us up from that sort of Gnostic temptation. Mm-hmm. How does, like, what is the distinction then between having a body mm-hmm. and having a being? The, the one who cannot destroy yeah. the being. I think, I mean, we're getting away from translation now and into application. Um yeah, I'm just trying to understand but, what 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 we're, what we're finding more than the translation, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so don't be afraid of people who destroy the body but can't destroy who you are, what your values are, what you're aligned with, what you're committed to, the movement mm-hmm. that you're part of. Mm-hmm. They can't destroy who you are at your core, which is exactly why they have no power over you. Because they can't control you. They can't force you to, I'm going to start using some like Christian language, renounce your faith um, by threatening to kill you. Because what do you care? They can't, they can destroy the body, but they, they have no power to destroy who you are. I'm going to pull this on you here. Uh, Do you happen to know if the, is there a singular or plural like second personness to either of these? Is there a um, your being versus y'all's being? It's just the, the being. The okay. Yeah, yeah. I I asked that because uh, an interpretation of this stretch that I have found at least worthy of holding I- indulging. I think it's uh, Andrew Perriman over in Europe. He he talks about how. Uh, the subtext of this is, uh, you know, Rome. Mm-hmm. Rome can destroy your body, but it can't destroy the the who y'all are. Yes, like the the you as children of Israel, as children of God, the you as he, the Hebrew people. Like mm-hmm. Rome can't touch that. Yeah, it it those stinkers will kill you, but they won't kill yeah. y'all. Right. Uh, Jesus really goes back and forth a lot. Like he uses a lot of plural mm y'all. And sometimes he uses like you. And it kind Mm -hmm. of, it's even within the same paragraph, he'll kind of flip back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, But like in Paul's writings in the letters to churches in different cities, um, it is very consistently plural. Yeah. And I guess Perriman's translation uh, or, or interpretation rather plays nicely with how you translate the final bit of this verse uh fear what has the power to destroy body and the being in the valley of Hinnom, which is basically saying you know that's the place of national judgment that's the place mm-hmm. of uh and historically national temptation mm-hmm. where people were worshiping moloch 
by murdering their own children. And and there's a mythology around nationalist violence or redemptive violence that some bloodshed is necessary. The blood of the martyrs, the blood of soldiers is what redeems, is what heals, is what makes us a people together. And so to say, actually, that's not a, a gaining of immortality. If you go this false path, this path that's other than Jesus, as Hebrew people, you're losing your beingness. Uh, and I, to, I guess to connect it to that line I had about a um, soldier sacrifice, you know, a lot of people lose their children as soldiers in war. Mm-hmm. And believe that they are that that death is actually going with the deeper grain of the cosmos. So there is a functional, deep, deep, deep parallel between the nationalist belief in redemptive violence and redemptive death of sol- soldier death. We must sacrifice the young in hopes that the deeper grain of reality, whether that's God or whatever, will give us favor. So Moloch, was it Moloch they were sacrificing to? Yeah. Yeah, like they're doing the same thing just without killing somebody else. There's this the same belief that this sacrifice will change the course of history. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I'm shush, I'm rambling. No, what comes to mind is you can tell I'm been working on Ephesians recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the phrase "Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit." I, I think every time we send a soldier off to kill others, we're grieving God's Holy Spirit because they're being sent off to kill someone who's the image of God. Let's jump down to verse thirty-seven uh, with footnote U. Whoever is attached to their father or mother above me is not appropriate uh, for me. (laughs) You're stacking these translation decisions. Very nice. Uh, Usually it's what uh, whoever loves their father or mother above me is not worthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walk us through attachment. Yeah. It's the Greek word phileo, which if you've spent Anytime in an evangelical church, at some point you've heard a message that describes the difference between phileo and agapao, um, or philia and agape, agape, depending on whether you're talking about the verb or the noun. Um, Holy nerd. I know. Um, Here it's the verb. So phileo instead of philia. But yeah, I felt like, you know, loved is not wrong, but it makes it kind of weird here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like saying whoever cares about their father and mother like nope no one should love their mother like what that doesn't make any sense like mm-hmm. that's that's nonsense um, and demonstrably so like Jesus cares for his mother by telling John to take care of her when he's on the cross in John so but there is a difference between the kind of love agape is talking about and the kind of love philia is talking about. Um, And there are some other Greek words that end up being translated as love 
in, in English too, because the English word love just has taken on way too much. Um, it needs a break. It's vacation. It's funny how love has, <laughs> there are, there are times when love has become a religious technical term. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's weirdly true. Um, and also I wouldn't want to remove it because it's really important, but it's sometimes using alternatives. So agape, I, I believe I have translated it as love every time it's come up, but I think philia or phileo I've tried to do something different with when it's come up. So attachment, how did you come to find that to be a helpful option here? Yeah. Cause the difference between the two agape has to do more with uh, like a committed, um, desire and committed action for the good of whatever's being loved or whoever's being loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Phileo is much more natural, I guess you could say. I think it's the kind of love that parents have for their children, that partners have for each other in, in some circumstances anyway. It's this sense of feeling that affection that attachment that bond so it's a good thing but it can also cause trouble it can lead to jealousy it can lead to a weird prioritization of whoever you just feel connected with over other people or over other commitments and i think that's what it's getting at here the sense of kind of a possession or a right to maintaining that connection and feeling wronged when that connection is threatened. And again, kind of most of the time that's probably going to be okay, but there are moments where there are higher commitments. There are higher things to be faithful to. And it's not that you're going to go like betray these people. Like you're not going to go do harm to them, but you're going to need to make a choice between being faithful to them or pursuing feeling good by just like staying close to this person or, or or not driving them away because they disapprove of of this higher commitment that you have yeah something, something like that there's suffering involved in what jesus is calling us to which is shown in the next verse and those are hard decisions to have to be made sometimes Let's uh, cross the threshold to chapter 11. Uh, And I'm actually just going to jump all the way up to verse 10. There's a quote from, uh, let's see, what is that? It's complicated. Oh, really? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Oh, yeah, that footnote G sure is. Yeah, it's a medley. Man, Matthew. Yeah, it seems to be your scissors represent like a not representing, um, referring to kind of it's not actually a quotation per se, so much as just like referencing a whole bunch of things all at once, throwing things together. So it kind of seems like Malachi 3 1, it kind of seems like Exodus 23 20, kind of seems like Isaiah 40, verse 3. Um, it even kind of resonates with Matthew 3, 3, but it is kind of about this witness, this mm. figure that's coming to kind of prepare 
communicate to other people, get ready. The Messiah's coming. God's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the translation decision in this that I wanted to, uh, I guess, quickly acknowledge, you know, in earlier episodes, we've talked about Angelos uh, mm-hmm. for angels yeah. Yeah. and switching that over to messenger. Uh, yeah. And that's, that feels very different mm-hmm. and controversial. And I know I'm sure a, a lot of people who are going to look at this or listen to us hear that and think, ah, you don't believe in angels or there's no like. They're trying for, to take like, out the like supernatural or the spiritual and make yeah. it all just like more palatable to scientific minds or something. Yeah. 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 Um and that's really not that's not your priority or aim here, but this is a this is a great example of so the word that you have as messenger here is same word right mm-hmm. where we see angel another in almost every other translation, right? Except, but not here. This, but not here. Like everybody yeah. else does messenger. Like you did nothing different here, mm-hmm. but it proved. But it but it's uh, it vindicates the plausibility of applying that elsewhere. Right. Yeah. It, it, the using the word messenger in other places is not denying the fact that it might be a different kind of being. Yeah. It, because the word doesn't mean a kind of being an angel isn't a translation. It's just putting the Greek word into English letters. Uh-huh. Um, the word means messenger and it's about the role. What the being is doing mm-hmm. whether that's a celestial heavenly being or a human or or even sometimes not even a being but a, a mode of communicating an event that mm-hmm. provides clarity provides the message of of what god's trying to communicate that's an angelus a messenger uh, has nothing to do with what kind of thing it is it's, it has to do with what it's doing that's a great distinction and a good example of the reasonableness of making that decision in other verses. Let's so I want to jump down just a couple of verses to verse 12 with uh, the phrase the violent oppressors have claimed it for themselves, the divine reign. Mm-hmm. That's a that's not what I'm used to. Usually it's help me out here. What is it usually? Not that. Yeah, some variations on kind of a similar theme. Um, it's NET is forceful people, uh, violent men, uh, just the violent. Um, but that that's kind of the basic idea of forceful or violent people. Isn't it? Isn't there something? Maybe it's a different verse of like, and those who want to take it by force. Yeah, that's the that's part of the same phrase um, here. What I did with um claimed it for themselves yeah yeah is, is take it by force and, and others yeah so is there anything that kind of unfolds from this trans translation decision yeah you know the basic idea is is the use of force or violence and it's interesting the way like the the greek language works sometimes there's differences in like active voice and, and passive voice that are 
there's a middle voice uh, that we struggle to really understand in English very well. Is that the well. aorist tense? Uh, no, that's a voice and tense are different. Uh, yeah, My they God. get. Yeah, they get. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on Sick. in Greek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the idea, the kind of the sum of it is that the idea is broader than just physical force. Um, I think it has to do with general control, which might be using violence to, to exert that control. Um, but I think it's a bigger idea here and needs to be drawn out a little bit more. Um, so it's control in the sense of like oppression, um, like sub- subduing people under your authority violently, uh, power and control. Um, and here it's being applied to the religious leaders in Israel, which I think is going to be shocking. People are going to be hear that kind of language and they're going to think, oh yeah, the Romans. Yep. We know that. And he's like, he's like, no, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that you trust, the people mm-hmm. who are us, that the, but the ones with privilege and power mm-hmm. who are using their power and privilege to just get more of it instead or instead of promoting the messages of liberation and truth that God's all about. Yeah. So verse 20 footnote N usually the word uh, miracles shows up. Then Jesus began to speak out against the cities where he had accomplished many of his miracles or in your translation, powerful Mm -hmm. acts. This is yeah. going to be another one of those scenarios where folks are like, you're demythologizing, you're flattening it out, you're getting rid of the supernatural or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's wrong with miracles? Or it's not what's not what it says. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's just a button I can hit where that's what you say. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's an interpretation that yeah. thing gets translated. Um at least if you're taking miracles to mean kind of like magic. Um, but it, the word is literally just like powers or abilities. Mm-hmm. It's like things that he can do that are impressive in some way. It's not even like crazy shit. It's just, no, it's just like the word for ability. Yeah. Um, where he accomplished many of his abilities. Yeah. So by context, it's it's clear that this is this is impressive. At least it's not just mm-hmm. I have the ability to read my watch correctly. Um, you know, it's it's more than that. Um, so that's why I did powerful acts. At least it's like something. It's it's impressive. It's ca- catches your attention. Seems to be like should inspire something in them. Um, but doesn't in this and that that's not great um it's kind of the message that it's giving uh but it doesn't specify supernatural acts that that other humans can't do at all or that are like magic tricks or whatever however you want to characterize what people think of as miracles chapters Um, eight and nine certainly had some of those sorts of things going down yeah, healings in particular. 
he, there's a lot of impressive, very impressive healings, and um, it's it's likely that there's that in mind here, um, since mm-hmm. this directly follows that. But it isn't what it says directly. So you can say, oh, those are the powerful acts that it was talking about. Um, but to force that, say, as if the word means something supernatural, that's a leap. And I, and I think it's important to make it clear that this is what it's actually saying. And some of the things that were really mor- the miraculous that is concealed to our eyes mm-hmm. is often you know, his ability to fold in the, the outsider, like creating a new community that trespasses um, boundaries of alienation and exclusion uh, mm-hmm. that that ruptures patterns of violence and scarcity and control that is a miracle like you you tell me like anybody oh, who boy. yeah yeah like anybody who looks at the news or in the mirror yeah if you think you're going to accomplish any of that by like humdrum regular like i learned my like five points of of influencing people skills like no no that's not gonna work yeah like he's doing something that seems to defy the gravity of the human heart or the human default or something to that effect like Mm -hmm. the merit the the healings and the uh evicting of demonic things and all that that's all like amazing on its own i'm certainly not used to people saying hey you should feel better and then it happens that doesn't normally happen but there's this whole other layer of the miraculous of powerful acts that jesus is doing that we don't count as powerful acts sometimes Mm -hmm. we like even those of us we're looking for the magic tricks yeah, and we think that's what points to him being God or the Son of God or whatever. Like, right? It's like, well, maybe, yeah. but like, the, if the you're fig- looking for proof to win the argument that Jesus is the real God and everyone else's version of what's true is wrong, yeah. And the Apostle Paul even says later on, like, some people look for miracles, other people look for all these other things, but like, the living God is the one who makes something new out of alienation mm-hmm. like that's that's the general way you can trust that the divine is present is when there's a newness out of old alienation and jesus is doing that left right and center so if you do want to look for proof of divine agency in this man which i think there's plenty of it includes healings it includes exercising demonic things and it absolutely includes exercising the demonic impulse of patriarchy, ableism, nationalism, uh, redemptive violence. He's exercising mm-hmm. all those demons from us and healing us and doing that in an us manner. That shit's miraculous. So simply by just yeah. di- dilating it back. I don't know how to saying, make it happen. No, me neither, man. Dial, dilating it back to just say, look, powerful acts frees me from going, oh, miracles. That's when he makes the, the crippled guy stand up and walk. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
made a person who was declared dead get up and start making a meal. <laughs> I wonder what they made. Yeah. Hmm. Or at least serving some serving a meal. Maybe they didn't cook. So, you know, let's do a little bonus round here. Uh, verse 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, footnote P. And you, Capernaum, won't you be elevated to the sky? No, you'll be relegated down to the place of the dead. Mm-hmm. Isn't it usually Hades or Hades if you're British? <laughs> I did not know that's how they pronounce that. Looking at you, N.T. Wright. Listen, listening to you okay mm-hmm. wow uh yes that, i mean that's the that's the greek word there probably would be pronounced in greek something more like hades and it's the name of the place of the dead and that's you know so we have the, like these throughout scripture we have kind of these levels of reality all the way from greek Epuranas, like the the highest level of the sky where like only God is. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's just Uranas, which is just sky in general, also kind of like where God is. Um, And then you have the word that's translated traditionally air, but it's really like specifically the part of the air that's low to the ground. Um, And then you have the ground or the land or the earth, depending on how you're translating the word. And then you have this, like even lower, like where people are dead, you know, below the ground, um, whether that's because you've buried their corpse or thinking like Greek mythology or uh, more appropriately, Hebrew mythology. Um, Hades is the word that's used to translate the Hebrew word uh, shale in the Hebrew Bible which gets used a whole bunch, especially in the Psalms. I think I feel like is where it comes up the most often mm-hmm. um, really just talks about like being dead. It's sometimes it's translated as the pit or the grave. It's just where you are when you're dead. It has nothing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it has nothing to do with like punishment. It's not hell. Like undoubtedly it is not what we think of as hell. It has nothing to do with punishment or torment, uh, conscious, badness um where Fire. only some people go this is where everybody goes when they die it's just where you are when you're dead yeah that's just another funny example of how easily yeah. that uh that three-layer universe of like hell earth heaven yeah that's those were metaphysical this uh beliefs that controlled like in, translation decisions so mm-hmm. simply by getting back to like what the hell these words mean yeah, uh, can actually free us from that restrictive um, and frankly, unbiblical or uh, under biblical imagination. Like they certainly, mm. yeah. Yeah. I like that under biblical. Yeah. Sub biblical. Yeah. yeah. It's a subterranean space. So of course it has to be that appropriately. Yeah. 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 As a worthy comment. you know that's a great note to end on uh we're thankful as always for your company for this leg of the journey the easiest way to support found in translation is to leave us a rating or review in your podcast player of choice especially looking at you everybody using apple podcasts 
That makes it easier for more people to find the show and trust that it's as awesome as you have found it to be. Now, the second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor. You can do that for just five bucks a month. When you do that, you'll get comment access on the translations Google Doc and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon.